You are now listening to the Here for the Truth podcast, hosted by Joel Rafidi and Erasmus Stylianessis. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Here for the Truth. Whether you're a returning listener or a new listener, we're so glad that you're here. We appreciate you listening and we thank you for being here for the truth. Truly, truly we do. <laughs> I love it. Oh, bro. Um, uh, how's things, man? Things are going well. We just finished an incredible interview with an amazing uh, woman, Renat. Yeah. I'm not going to try to say her last name. Strahlhofer, maybe? I'm, I could be completely wrong. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's Strahlhofer. That's That's it. Correct. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we really, we got into some really great topics um, around the telecom industry and 5G and uh, privacy and surveillance and connecting to nature. And yeah, it was really awesome having her on. Yeah, man, it's definitely eye-opening for me. That's for sure. You know, it's something that I needed clarity around, you know, the true dangers of 5G and potential solutions. And you mean just her, her way of presenting this information was quite empowering and super inspirational. And I think, Everyone listening right now is going to really enjoy this conversation. Um, a few announcements for all your divination needs. Head to joelrafidi.com for individual tarot readings, astrology readings, alchemy readings, bringing in a few different arts together. Um, if I can help guide you on your path towards meaning and purpose, it would be my absolute pleasure to engage with you in, in such a way. Uh, yeah, do you want to go for it? Yeah, I'll just do it. Yeah, I'll just say, and, and anyone who's uh, more specifically interested in a, in a full-on human design reading, uh, just give me a shout. And again, for anyone who's in the Los Angeles uh, area and uh, wants to experience body work, uh, whether it's more conventional massage therapy or some really uh, deep Chinese meridian-based work, uh, just give me a shout. And uh, one more thing I do want to say is that we will be launching our website soon and can't wait to, uh, to share that all with you all. And uh, we have a great merch store there where you can support us if you want to get some fresh gear. And uh, yeah, we're just looking forward to keep growing with you. We've been saying that for a while, but it is coming real soon. Potentially. Potentially we'll be up by the next time we have this conversation for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, there was something that I wanted to say, but it has slipped and evaded my mind at this point in time. That's right. Patreon. We are on Patreon and our patrons, they get early access to all our episodes. In fact, in most cases, they get the episode the same day that we actually record it. So which is usually about three or four days in advance. So that's another way to support our platform and to support what it is that we do. Um, this is a public podcast, as you guys know, and every bit of support certainly helps. But anyway, that's enough rambling from us. Without further ado, here is the incredible Renat Stralhofer. Please enjoy this conversation. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 52 of Here for the Truth. And today we have for you a very special guest indeed, Renat Strahlhofer. Well said. <laughs> cool. Renat is a former telco marketer turned fearless activist who crossed over to the other side after she became aware of the extent of industry corruption. She is a spokeswoman for the Northern Rivers for Safe Technology Group, a mum and the creator of the global We Are Not Sam campaign. Renat is passionate about blowing the lid on how big telco have used a fraudulent test to license mobile phones and wireless technology 
to push a technology that causes untold damage on multiple fronts. Renat exposes how today's tech titans have us addicted to devices they claim are safe because these devices, particularly 5G, are the cornerstone for billionaire data miners and the surveillance state. In a time when technology dominates our time, our thoughts, our privacy, and our sovereignty, Renat inspires people to reimagine a better future, to collectively stand up to the destructive forces of corporate greed, to be savvy and safe with devices, and to question the status quo of bigger, better, faster. I love that bio and I love that introduction to yourself. So potent, Renat. Welcome to Here for the Truth. Oh, thanks, guys. I'm really happy to be here. It's a it's a, it's a pleasure to host you. Um, let us know, tell our audience a bit about yourself, your background, how you turned from you know what I mean corporate to activism, and yeah, how this all began for you. Sure. Well. Um, so I studied marketing and social science in uni and on my very first day of university I wasn't even sure if I was doing the right thing but I had a lecturer and he was just really out there had multicolored earrings and this kind of like rainbow suit on and he said look I'm going to tell you one story it's a marketing story and if you can relate to it stay in the room and if you can't can you please get the fuck out and I came from a pub you know like a private school girl and I'm going into this auditorium of 700 people with this lecturer standing on the bottom telling me that if I can't relate to this story I've got to give up this career and um, the story was this he told a story about his uncle who'd had a hair salon for 25 years in a small town and he had a big sign you know um, $10 haircuts it was Joe's haircut $10 and everybody in town went to Joe's haircut and after 25 years, a new salon was opening up and it was you know, across the road and it had a big sign, we will be selling $5 haircuts. So everybody's going to Joe and saying, Joe, you know, you've got to drop your price. Everyone's going to be going to the new guy. And Joe just never said a word. And the day came with the salon open and he took down his $10 haircut sign and he put up a new sign. And the new sign said, we fix $5 haircuts for $10. <laughs> and he goes, welcome to marketing. And I just thought, wow, what an incredible, um, incredible introduction to what marketing is about. And it really put me on my journey of understanding that what, what we really deal with in life is perception. It's really all about perception. And that's the times that we're living in right now is these times of understanding the role of perception, the role of marketing to get people to do and understand certain concepts and principles. And, and that's sort of where I started. And I finished university and at the time Telstra, which is Australia's biggest telco, they took in 10 graduates Australia-wide and I was one of them. And so I worked on this project called the Next G Network. And at the time that was the biggest rollout of 3G the world had ever seen. And so we had a, like a $1 billion budget. We had 5,000 new tower sites going up and we had incredible amount of money to spend on marketing. So my job with eight other people was to get Australians juiced up about what felt like sci-fi to a lot of people, like, you know, picture messages, video on the go, YouTubes on your phone, um, you know, video calls, all of that. And um, I thought what I was doing at the time was so great. I genuinely believed that I was connecting people in a way that was really exciting. But um, about three months after the rollout, because it took us 10 months to roll out this entire network and everybody got these new routers in their home. And my husband, he doesn't really complain about much. And he said, Renard, I really think that this router is um, affecting my sleep. And I said, no, nah, this can't be the case. And I said, look, I'll go in and check it, check it out at work, but I'm sure it's all in your head. And he said, no, I don't think it is. 
And so I went um, looking into the research database. I thought, how many other people um, are worried about these routers like my husband? And I found that 38% of my market were concerned about health effects. And under any normal marketing uh, circumstance, that raises a campaign. You go into your executive director's office and you go, we need a safety campaign. We have 38% of our market concerned about health effects. So we just need to kind of reiterate safety, you know. And so she gave me one of those looks when I came to see her about it. And it's a look that stamps you in your life. You know that you have to come back to it, even if you're not ready to address it now. You know that it sends a chill down your body and there's something in that that has life purpose. And it created that moment for me. And she basically told me to get my foot out of the door. And that doesn't really work well with my personality type, which I'm sure you guys can understand. Um, so I went digging further into the research department. I had a friend there and he said, look, I need to tell you things, but I can't tell you in the office. So we need to get out. I said, all right. He said, you won't believe what I have to say. I said, all right, well, I'm here. And he said, mobile phones since the mid nineties are being tested on a plastic dummy head. I said, I'm sorry a plastic dummy head, they fill him up with liquid and they put a phone 10 millimeters away from his ear and they test whether or not the liquid that they put in his head heats up by more than one degree Celsius after a six minute call. And if it doesn't, that phone is deemed safe. They get to test it in one laboratory of their choice and millions of devices get sold after one device gets tested. I'm, and I, I think it's just one of those moments where your entire body just drops because, you know, you're in your 20s and you're being flown all around the country. You're winning all these awards and you're meeting all these incredible leaders. And there's just this one piece of information a top corporation forgets to include. And that is that mobile phones are tested on a dummy. It has no biological organs, you know, no bones, no DNA, no cells, um, no reproductive systems. And that's how they test mobile phones for safety. And that is still how they test it today. Mm -hmm. So the question has to be raised. Why did they do a fraudulent, negligent, non-biological test to get mobile phones on the market? And that is to cause addiction. Now we're well past addiction. Most people can't put away their phones for more, you know, for even a few hours a day. They cannot. And we need these devices to communicate. So it's not about saying we need to throw away devices. It's just... Where has the discussion ever come back to safety? We would have safe devices if we had a proper safety test. So the agenda has always been for addiction in order to get to surveillance. It's really easy to surveil people and devices if you can get them addicted. And when they love their devices, they're not ready to part with them, then they're open to that surveillance state. And that's where we're at right now. And I want to talk into that on a whole new level. There's a lot of deep rabbit holes to go through in terms of surveillance that I want to get to. But the starting point is to understand that my journey started with understanding that plastic dummies is how these industries treat us. They treat us as the experiment. They treat us as dummies. And that's where the campaign was born called We Are Not Sam because the name of the dummy they test on is called Sam. So it's a specific anthropomorphic mannequin. It's just mm. a big word for dummy. And that's why we launched a global campaign and got the you know, support of Children's Health Defence and many others. Um, celebrities all around the world started posting about it um, because we are not dummies and we need to start behaving in a way where we're very conscious about, about safety. And it's, um, it's a big conversation, especially now, given the kind of world that we're living in. Yeah. So how did it... Um... 
I guess, unfold for you? You found out this information and then was it like the next day you got the website for We Are Not Sam and, or like, what was the process, like your or internal process of like, whoa, I, I did this thing that I believed in and I was doing all this work and I was successful. Obviously, I'm sure you were doing all right from a financial standpoint as well. And then you get hit with this information that causes you to be like, hmm, what, what now? Where do I that go? That's a great question. And that's um, probably why I need to come back to that moment that stamped me because I, it was about three and a half weeks and I was just asking a lot of questions. The really hard part about um, uncovering such information is seeing your colleagues and dearest friends that you work with because your colleagues become such good friends, you know, and seeing them turn a blind eye to something that they know is wrong. Mm-hmm. And it's the same thing we're seeing now. And that was really hard for me. So it took me about three and a half to four weeks. And I said to my husband, let's move back. You know, I want to move overseas. He's Swiss. Um, so I said, let's move to Switzerland. And at the time, I just felt like running away. I didn't really know how to address it. And I moved back. I mean, I worked overseas. I watched them roll out the 4G network. And I would, you know, have, you know, constant conversations with people that didn't want to hear it. And I just felt completely broken. And it was just something inside of me that I carried for nine years. And I moved back home to Australia. I had a little boy. He's four years old now, but I moved back when he was nine months old. And that's when I moved to Byron. And I got handed a stock 5G flyer at my very first farmer's market. And that's when my husband gave me a nudge. And he was like, right, well, I think this is your moment. So I basically put my name forward to start speaking out against this technology. And I never did activism before. I didn't know what it would entail. I just had this kind of like commitment to completion in my, in my mind that I needed to resolve this thing that was stamped on me nine years earlier. And um, that's what I've been doing ever since. I've been working on campaigns, not just 5G, but it started with, um, you know, understanding this concept of safety and how that translates to so many other aspects of our life. And um, I've been doing that work for the last um, almost three years with an incredible group of people that um, have come together and we've done such great work. But essentially what had happened for me was that I felt like my karmic process needed to bring me back to that moment. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Um, Incredible. Your, your fire, your conviction and your passion on this topic reverberates like I'm, I'm feeling it fully and completely and so potent. Um, like it's one of those things that it's so easy to turn a blind eye to because it's almost like, well, what the hell can we do about it? They're here now. We're so reliant upon them. We're so addicted to them. We need them to operate our everyday life to communicate. Um, so it's almost like the, the, the same can, the same kind of psychology can be applied to so many things where it's just convenience over, you know, I mean, over, over what's right on so many levels, it's the same reason people turn the blind eye to, you know, obviously the, the, the vaccine issue as well, you know, it's like, well, how, how else can we go on kind of thing? Um, but what I want to get to first is, so what are the actual harmful effects of these devices? What is the what is what is the cause? What is the what is the effect? Yeah. So obviously our brain is not liquid. We have complex bioelectrical systems going on in our in our brains. Now we've got over two thousand peer-reviewed reports that show biological harm from wireless radiation. That includes two G, three G, four G, and the top insurers in the world are Swiss Re and Lloyd's of London, and they will not insure the wireless industry, and they deem it high risk. Now. 
the, the, the symptoms that you receive from like, you know, um, overexposure to this wireless radiation includes everything from blood flow damage, um, blood bra brain barrier damage. It interferes with the brain cell communication and it breaks DNA. So these effects include short-term memory loss, you know, sleep disruption, headaches, dizziness, fatigue, immune disruption, skin rashes, um, changes in cardiac function, issues with fertility. DNA damage um, and, and things like that. And I think where the industry get it so wrong, actually probably where they get it right, is they get people to think of cancer. And if you don't have cancer, you'll be fine. And that is actually where most people are tricked. They think that if they're not the worst version of sick, then they shouldn't, it shouldn't be related to anything mm -hmm. to do with my device. But most people sleep with their devices right next to their beds. Um, they're more anxious, et cetera, et cetera, because it's interfering with our natural bioelectrical systems. We are bioelectrical beings at, at such. So when you look into this deeper, you understand that when, it, when you're testing mobile phones on a plastic mannequin, who had no bioelectrical systems. Um, the fact is that the way that they decided to use this dummy is they said, we're going to take the top 10% of military recruits in the US. And these are guys that have a five kilo head, a hundred kilogram body. They're six foot two tall. And that's the average of a military recruit. And they said, we're going to base the size of this dummy head on his body and shape. And so that only represents just that that um, typecast represents only 3% of the world's population. So even their initial way to test was only with regards to 3% of the world's population. Now we know 10 year olds absorb 150% more radiation than this dummy Sam that was tested 150% more. There is absolutely no safety test for children, women or the elderly. It's the strongest men in our society. So, of course, when the insurers look at that and they look at the 2000 plus peer reviewed reports, they go, well, we're not insuring that. But yet we're walking around with these devices. We're giving it to our kids as babysitters and we're not using it safely. There are ways to use technology safely. There are ways to test technology for safety and create technology in the future that is safe. But if we don't address the fact that we're testing on a plastic dummy in the first mm -hmm. place, we're not going to be able to create that world. Yeah, we're also moving to this. I guess everything's smart, you know, smart, smart cities, smart devices. And even with, when you think about babies, like, like, oh, well, you, you don't even, you'll, you can put this smart device on them and it'll tell you when they wet their pants, you know, like all these different things to do, it's more convenience. So it's easier. And yet we don't understand what impact it's having on biology. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I'm always so like worrisome. I remember years ago, like when the AirPods came on, came out, I'm like, why are people putting these in their ears? what are you doing <laughs> but you know I had, yeah. yeah a few years ago i got um a professionally equipped person to test all the emf and radiation in my home and various devices and my firstborn that came along wanted to be sure and be safe and be as secure as possible that the environment was conducive to raise a little human in and out of all the things that he tested the one that spiked the meter the most was the baby monitor. Mm -hmm. The baby monitor, he said, was like being standing directly under a cell tower. And I just thought, how insidious that the baby monitor is the, is the most dangerous and the most harmful. The one thing that all parents use and have next to their babies to do anything. And we've never used a baby monitor since. This was the second week of birth. But I know that, that blew my mind. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, 
building biologists, they, they come into your home and they can check a lot of the, um, you know, sort of the spots where the radiation peaks, et cetera. So yeah, the baby monitors is a big one. Absolutely. And, and the fact is that when it comes to our children and devices, there is absolutely, I mean, the fact that they've used this COVID scenario to, you know, our children are far more now engaged with devices because of this COVID scenario. So they're, they're, the, the thing that this device does is it puts you into this vortex where mm -hmm. it sucks you out of the moment. Yeah. And you can see that with children's eyes far more than you probably notice it with adults. You see them just completely get hypnotized on, from a screen. And it takes them out of the moment. It takes them out of this natural connection of things that are happening um, spontaneously. And I feel that that's absolutely by design. This is engineered for addiction. It's not just a coincidence. It's engineered for it. And people that have seen the films like Social Dilemma, et cetera, they can see how that was always programmed to be the case. It is very nefarious how they do it. And um, I think the concentration, especially on children and their addiction to devices, it's incredible. There's so many um, institutes that have come out with their concerns about children and, and the addiction, but also the, the suicide rates and the pressure online to, to be at a certain you know, level of likes and a certain level of popularity. It's just added an extra pressure that we didn't have when we were you know, five years old, yeah. 10 years old. <laughs> Yeah, so it's big, it's big. And um, one of the things that we've done is we released a film called The Gaia Code. And the reason it's a three minute film, it's available on our website, wearenotsam.com. And we wanted to take people on this journey of what does it, it's this woman and she's, she's her name's Salo and she's um, incredible. And she's naked and she's body painted. She's body painted with a lot of information about the state of the world right now and coming back to our inner nature. And a lot of people can't, you know, can't take the naked truth, but it is the fact that we have to address that we are first and foremost natural beings and that if we are to navigate and turn this tide that's happening right now in the world, we have to come back more and more to our natural state, our natural way of connecting, our natural way of being, um, you know, with community and with nature and finding our ways to connect to what is real right and so this film takes you on this journey with a lot of subliminal messaging around vaccinations and digital ids and connecting but one of the most important aspects of this film is that the power is in your hands now you've got to remember that whether it's 3g 4g or 5g these aren't replacements to technology 5g doesn't replace 4g it's an addition so 4g was an addition 3g is still in our atmosphere then there's 4g in our atmosphere and there's 5G. And the difference with 5G is it's not just a simple upgrade. It takes, um, you know, these circular beamforms that 4G has. So, you know, these are the beamforms of 4G. 5G is directional. It's like laser beams. And like you said, it connects your baby nappy to your fridge, to your dog collar, to your bed, to your bike. This is what's called the Internet of Things. They want to put mm -hmm. microchips and antennas in everything. So it's all smarted up. And because data is the new gold and everything's interconnected. And so for that to happen, you need to imagine a world where there is absolutely no privacy, none at all. And so this movie takes you on this journey of understanding that the power is in your hands. If you buy a 5G device, you are activating this 5G network. And this 5G network is nowhere near similar to 4G. It is a surveillance state. It's a grid. And we can get into that because there's a lot of layers I want to unpack in terms of the surveillance state and what that will look like if we don't switch and turn that tide right now. 
but um, I, I feel very positive that we're doing it. So I'm not coming from a place of fear. I can tell you that much. Um, I feel very empowered with um, what it is that we can do. But these, you know, our hands have so many senses where it's designed for creation. It's designed for building, um, you know, for touch of humans, of animals, of trees. And they're turning our hands into blunt instruments. It's all this tech handling constantly, but our hands are designed for creation. And so if we understand that one of the things we have to come back to is creation, create alternative pathways, create more with your hands, touch soil, connect back to the earth, then that is the antithesis of what they're trying to do, which is, you know, put chemicals in everything that we use and create an artificial state for our entire lives. So that's not the world that we're entering. And the Gaia Code brings us back to our inner natural state and understanding that this process that she goes through, she finds a 5G device, she goes through the addiction, it starts to break up her body, but you still see the beauty that's there. It's this juxtaposition that's always existing in her art. And then she has to let it go and find her way back to nature. And she goes to the water and she cleanses and she re-emerges and touches, you know, this beautiful, massive tree. And the message is that the power is in your hands. And it is, it always will be. And we are natural beings and we have a lot of guidance, intuition behind us because that's our natural state. And what they're trying to do by poisoning our foods and our air and through radiation and through these chemicals is to take us away from our natural way of being. And that's what we have to keep coming back to to keep that alive. Yeah, I actually want to bring up something that you said around touch because touch is so important. And I've shared this before. We actually had her as, as a guest on our podcast early, but my wife, she did her dissertation on the interrelational dynamics of touch. And there's this idea known as the parapersonal space where it's like this amoeba-like thing around your body that anything that you touch, it swallows it up and maps it as being a part of you. So this idea that like, like an example, like, you know, you're driving a, a car and you go under a bridge, but then you duck, but you know, consciously, like I'm not, my head isn't gonna hit the thing but your body has mapped this entire car as part of you. Now, again, what do we touch more than anything? Yes. You know, and so it's like, we have, our, our brains have, have mapped these devices as part of us. Mm -hmm. And you know, what happens when we don't have it? So how can we retrain? So what you said about, you know, during this video is like letting go and connecting more to nature and choosing what we touch more, you know, touching a tree, touching the soil, touching our dog, touching our loved ones, you know, as opposed to always, just having our hands on technology, especially technology that isn't safe if you're getting blasted with electromagnetic frequencies, you know? So it's, you know, very interesting to think about on so many different levels. Yeah, bro. Yes. That is, that's so true with the, the brain mapping the phone thing. Just, just think about psychologically what happens when you think you've lost your phone as well, right? Oh yeah. Your brain freaks out. It's like, where the hell's my phone? Well, it's like uh, you're missing your, your limb. Like I've lost my limb, it's an extension of your limb to some degree because we touch it so often it's mm -hmm. pretty wild yeah um, I really, real quickly i want to just jump back a little bit because i'm always curious when people that work in industry and become a whistleblower of sorts now i know you left and came back and and this calling came to you but have you found people from your old life like reaching out to you and some of them like either maybe talking shit or some of them being like it's so brave what you're doing i mean i can't do it but i'm happy that you're doing it because I feel like we see that even today with what's happening around the whole COVID thing. People who are out there, whether it's speaking out on social media or starting podcasts or writing a book, you know, there are people that like slide into your DMs and they're like, I really like what you're doing. I can't do it because of X, Y, Z. So I'm curious what your experience has been around that in your own life 
with the people that you used to know and call colleagues and call friends and maybe some of them are still your friends mm-hmm. well it's interesting i haven't had that com- uh, i've never had that conversation in an interview before but the truth is no um, I haven't had contact and I haven't made contact in all fairness. And it's not from a place of bitterness or I told you so or anything of that nature. I feel that um, energetically, we're just on different wavelengths. I know that sounds quite a pun, you know, given what we're talking about, <laughs> but um, it really is the case. I feel that this time in history, it's really defined my values and my relationships. And I feel that um, there've been a lot of relationships that haven't been able to sort of continue growing together um and i think truth for me is one of the highest um values i hold and when you see truth and people around you cannot address it or look at it i feel like when they can they they can come to the table but if that's not the case then we just can't and there's no bitterness there i just feel like it's just a different trajectory and you know, it's really interesting, like when we're talking about devices and we're talking about noticing things in the world, I think this is all kind of plays into the same thing. I mean, Tom and I, Tom's a friend and and we were talking about how where we live, there's a lot of people that come around, you know, around November until about January, they come here to, to do whale watching. It's a whale watching season. And they go to the lighthouse. Byron Bay has a very famous lighthouse overlooking the water. And they're not looking at the whales. They're looking at their screen, looking at the whales. Mm -hmm. And it's right there. It's right there. And they're looking at the screens. And I feel like that's a metaphor for a lot of the friendships, a lot of the the ways that we're looking at the world right now is that we're so busy looking at it from such a narrow point of view that it's so expansive out there. And the whale is right in front of you, but you're narrowing your view of it. And I feel that those are a lot of the conversations that we're having now is trying to create a a narrow and into sort of that more expansive understanding of the state of the world and it's really hard to do for a lot of people because they don't want to leave that more narrow position that they're in Mm -hmm. we're more excited about sharing the experience and having the experience and you can you can possibly be sharing the experience if you haven't had it in the first place but we're willing to sacrifice actually having the experience to capture it and provide the perception that we actually did have it when in fact you didn't, you know, um, yeah, that's, that's powerful. And just to acknowledge, we both did watch the film. It's absolutely beautiful and captivating job. Really well done on that one. Um, and you're so right. There is, there is power in our hands. And I mean, to anyone listening that's ever practiced Qigong, that's ever tried to build the chi ball with their hands, the force that, that is created. This is absolutely, you mean, a, a tangible testament to how much power actually is in our hands. So Renat, how, first of all, can people begin to mitigate the harmful effects of their phones? What are some safe ways of engaging with technology that you implement yourself and you found useful? Yeah, I'm gonna show you, this is, for those watching, this is an ethernet cable. Mm-hmm. So this is plugged into the laptop that I'm talking on right now. And basically I'm not wireless, I'm wired. So you can use Ethernet cables to wire your home. And so you can use devices, but you're just using it without the harmful effects of wireless radiation. So that's that's an easy one. Um, another really easy one is boycotting 5G phones. You just don't buy it. Don't buy a 5G phone. Don't give permission for this 5G network to access your home or to access, um, you know, anybody else in your, in your, you know, in your network there. 
And replacing these wireless connections with what I just showed you was a hardwired um, cable that you can use for your mobile phone as well. So you can just connect it into your mobile phone and use it at home when you're home. And you don't need to carry wireless devices on your body. That is a really key, important safe tech tip because when these devices are tested, they're tested, they're tested away from the body. So they're never designed to be on your body. So that even includes your hands. So the idea of talking on the phone best is like, you know, if you don't have the wired connection is to put it on speaker and use it on, you know, a table. It's not designed to be held in your pocket. In fact, the top four diseases that kill our adolescents is the top four places they put their mobile phones, which is their back pocket, which is the rectal cancer, the um, brain tumors, the, um, the thyroid cancer, because a lot of women hold them close to their breasts, and um, the testicular cancer, which is in the front pocket for men. So these are the top four diseases and that you could see play out in the film. So she starts to rip up in those top four places where mobile phones are usually held. And, um, and we need to be very mindful of the fact we shouldn't carry mobile phones on our bodies, especially against our ears, especially against our ears. So yes. that's where you have the highest level of radiations when it's right against your body. Um, turn on airplane mode as much as you can and Bluetooth should be off and location settings on your privacy as well. Because if you, I'm not sure if many people are aware of this, but it usually blows people's minds when I say it, but there's up to 900 handshakes a minute between the nearest tower and your phone. That's how many times they're looking for you in a minute, 900. So that's pulses, making sure that you're, you know, every little inch your phone moves is finding you and pulsing you in that little hyperosecond. Um, so obviously if you're not needing to take your phone with you, like if you're going to go for a walk on the beach and you're like, I don't need my phone, don't take it, just leave it. And whatever it is, if it's not an absolute emergency, connect without your phone. You need to create space where you're not always on a device uh, and you get earthed and swim in the ocean, walk barefoot on damp grass. Earthing is actually one of the best ways and most effective safe tech tips we offer is because when you are in the middle of this jungle, like you see with the Gaia Code film, she's in the middle of this jungle, nothing looks more artificial than holding a device in the most beautiful natural setting. We need to take advantage of these natural states that we're in so that we don't have to interfere those states with devices. So those are a few of the safe tech tips that I would offer. And I would really kind of encourage people to understand the very first thing I spoke about when I, um, you know, when I introduced myself and why I do what I do is this understanding of perception. And I talk about this quite a lot because I don't, I don't know that people understand what DNA is and I, and I didn't either. And so when I went into looking, understanding the DNA aspect of wireless radiation and what does that mean when it affects my DNA, because it's just an acronym, but the DNA, it's, it's a receiver and it's a transmitter of information. Now this is going to take people down a really deep rabbit hole. So I'm prepared to go there. If you guys are happy for me to go there. <laughs> We're always happy um, to go down the rabbit hole. Right. So if DNA is an antenna, Basically, it's an antenna and DNA is now our antenna. It's a receiver of transmitting and, and what we are interacting with. So if they want to change the nature of our DNA, and it's not about picking up on expanded consciousness frequencies, which we get in nature, it's only picking up frequencies that this technological sub-reality or this smart grid wants you to pick up on. So this is what nanotechnology, which is these you know, it's in these vaccine potions, it's changing the receiver and transmitter antenna nature of our DNA. 
So it's basically our mission control. It's not expanding to consciousness. It's simply a cloud and we receive and transmit only their information. And this is why perception is so important. It suggests that people who have had the vaccine are having their DNA antenna rewired so that they receive and transmit the kinds of information that they want you to receive from the smart grid. So the question that I'm ramping up here is that does the vaccination and 5G turn people into antennas that are transmitting their frequencies? And my answer is yes. And I think people are ready to hear that now because it's more than just a toxic vaccination or a jab because it's not really a vaccine, it's an mRNA or gene therapy. It's, you know, we know it's going to cause sterilization and infertility and, you know, this depopulation is a big topic right now. But these are all components of an operation, but basically is controlling the information our DNA can access. And that basically in turn affects our perception. And if our perception depends on all that information, then I believe it's our agenda, their agenda, I should say not ours, our agenda is to hold on to our natural state, but their agenda is to change who we are at our fundamental level. And that is that you know, our perception becomes so narrow, and we talked about that you know, in terms of the, the phone watching the whale, our perception becomes so narrow that we become technological slaves and it's cut us off from the creator, from mother earth, from our inner wisdom, from, from our ancestral bloodlines and from our unlimited and divine creative potential. And that's why we've got to take the power back into our hands. We have to understand that we have to change the game of perception so that people redirect themselves back to what is natural again, because these frequencies aren't designed to do that. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm totally down with what you're saying. You know, we're here for the truth and everything you're saying resonates. And we, you know, we talk about this move towards a trans, this transhumanism, which I think all this plays a part into it. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a child of, of, of the creator. I'm a child of nature. And, you know, nature, I think, has the answer. So, you know, it's a slippery slope and it's a dangerous territory that we're, I don't want to say we're entering, but we're already in. And um, we just got to stay true to ourselves and keep fighting the fight. Yeah. Um, it's it's pretty stark and pretty crazy when you you mean you, you you put it you put it that way. Um, but all signs point to that definitely indicating the truth and this RNA technology which they're so intense on forcing and coercing everyone to have as much of as possible has to link into some overarching agenda that you know just whatever it might appear to be on the surface. Mm-hmm. And obviously then link that in with this metaverse um, that's, that's, that's come about. And the more and more that you observe the direction that you know, the quote unquote matrix is heading in, you begin to realize that the antidote is to come back to nature, to come back to the most grassroots level of living, to come back to your being, to your body, um, to community, you know what I mean? To, and this, this goes across the board, whether it be, you mean homeschooling, whatever it might be. Um, and so that antidote actually also offers you a perspective as to what the agenda is as well. Because when you realize the solution, you realize, you mean, well, what's happening on, on the other side? It's, it's difficult for me personally to, um, to see how we go back from how embedded um, this technology is in our society, particularly in, 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 the, in the collective, you know. 
That's a really big question because I feel that, um, yeah, there's a lot of ways that we can use the current technology that we have safely. But if people understand that 5G is not just an upgrade to 4G, then I think this level of understanding, I think what I'll speak about is I did an interview with Alison McDowell. She's an incredible speaker on the fourth industrial revolution. Mm -hmm. And um, if I, I would encourage people to look into something that she told me to look into, it's called the spatial web. So for people that think that where we're at right now, you know, we can't go back. This is where it need. This is where they're wanting it to go. So this is where we need to understand that it's heading. Um, so look into the spatial web um, 3.0 for everyone that's listening. It's essentially this idea um, of the internet coming out of screens and phones and wearable tech and laying on the land. So these large sensor networks. I mean. Basically, they're developing Internet of Things, sensors, and, you know, in paint, in pavements, building materials, they're smarting up everything. And everything is going to be smarted up and emitting this radiation. So the amount of sensors that they are imagining, it's beyond anything that the three of us could reconcile with. It's like imagining the real world is out there with permissioned access. Like now they're saying to us in, in our current state, you know, if you don't have a QR code, or you're not wearing a mask, if you don't have a vaccine passport, that you don't have permission to do X, Y, Z. But imagine this on a grand scale um, where they're saying, I'm sorry, you don't have permission to access this building. And it's not just from, you know, a QR code, but it's from a screen in the real world. And these QR codes, these are just baby steps into, into this agenda. And they're normalizing it now with all of these QR codes and vaccine passports that you're allowed to do that or you're not allowed to do this. So you're in this spatial web, you're actually interfacing with a door or a building of a pay, you know, like a payment system. And they're giving you permissioned access digitally. So there's a token that says you either have that right or you don't. And when Alison explained this to me, she also put forward the Moonshot Project. And she says that by 2050, this everyone can look it up, by 2050, the Moonshot Project says, it's a government project, that humans will exist outside the need for a physical mind and body, time and space. So how do you actually get there by 2050 unless you essentially try to make the necessity of having a physical body a burden? So if you can make the, necessity, the physical body a burden through a pandemic or through chronic pain or radiation sickness, then people will be glad to upload their consciousness mm -hmm. into some avatar. And these are what these films have all, always been designed to do. That's what Hollywood was designed to do is to usher us in or to hurry us towards getting out of our bodies. And this is an anti-human agenda. It's, you know, the World Economic Forum, the crowd, they even say that they see the future as post-human. So this ought to give us a really good understanding of the significance of why we're all speaking out at this time. And when you have people like Elon Musk with Neuralink, um, Neuralink is basically centered on creating devices that are implanted into the human brain with the purpose of helping humans merge with software and keep pace with the advancements of AI. So if we are um, developing these mind reading projects that are out there and people are sitting back going, oh, okay, well, Elon Musk just recently showcased a monkey with a brain chip playing video games by thinking. So these implants that he's projecting onto, you know, onto his audience is like this coin-sized um, chip that reads brain activity and can read and write it. So he calls it a Fitbit in your skull with tiny wires. And what we need to understand, and this is coming back to nature, is that there's only one true safety on this planet, and that is our connection to the earth. 
everything else it's you know what a friend of mine Jambi he says he's an indigenous custodian here where I live in the northern rivers he says everything else is just trying to make up for that like that lack of safety so police government guns drugs all of it is a symptom of our disconnection with the natural world so if we spend our lives chasing the degree the money the house the beautiful partner the possessions all of that stuff it's this desperate attempt to forge some sort of connection to the wrong places. And if we want meaningful connection, it's with ourselves and it's with our natural habitat, it's with humanity, it's with community. And so all of these technologies that they're putting forward is to keep us separate from each other, socially distancing from each other through technology, separating ourselves from our, nat from our natural states. So if we better understand ourselves, which is the really big problem in society right now, it's not the vaccinations, it's not the 5G. The biggest issue we have in our society right now is that people are disempowered. That's the biggest, this is the biggest issue. When I hear people saying we need to fight for our freedom, I have to ask myself, why are you fighting for something you have? You are, you are free. Why are you fighting? So you can exercise freedom, like you've said, Joel, but why are people fighting? I don't understand that concept because there's an inner disempowerment within people. And when we take radical responsibility for the roles that we have to play in our communities, we have to become truly empowered, natural beings again, and collectively start to turn this tide towards what's natural, because that's where it's going. It's going completely in the unnatural world. So it's a frequency game. And in, in a kind of roundabout karmic way, um, the biggest lesson of 5G is that we need to change the frequency game. We need to raise our vibrations. We need to spend more time in nature with people that are of similar you know, vibration to us. And we need to collectively create alternative pathways. And that's what we do every single day. So this is just a big lesson in this matrix, like you said, Joel. Yeah. Even when you were talking about like Neuralink and the the monkey playing video games i just i just immediately thought of keanu reeves with the, like whoa i know kung fu you know it's like if people watch that they get conditioned and there's programming there like well i wish i could do that one day because i and then especially if you, if you don't believe in personal responsibility and putting in the effort and doing the work you know everyone just wants things to come even easier like oh i could be healthy if i just roll up my sleeve and allow someone to just jab the mystery juice in me and then i could just click click or like check off like healthy hashtag healthy hashtag immune you know and the same thing goes with this like oh i don't need to learn the things i don't need to like put the effort in to learn a skill a trade a technique i can just have it uploaded into into my brain like it's all it's all in the same realm you know and and i hear you and do you think i mean i guess it's happening already but are we moving is there this bifurcation of society already happening where people are going back to the land they're making this choice they're focusing on community you know they're taking their kids out of school you know they're unschooling homeschooling as opposed to then you know there are other people who are making different choices you know where they're like diving deeper into technology and it's really interesting to see it happening like I Absolutely. feel like there's a split now more in humanity than I've ever seen before, personally. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And what you just described, exactly what I'm I'm seeing here. People are going back to land. They're taking their kids out of school to keep them in a, you know, because we know that, you know, education, this current system, it's killing creativity. It's not designed to encourage it. We know that now they're putting um, where we live um, in, you know, in Australia here is that, you know, starting on the 10th, which is in three days time, they're going to start vaccinating five to 11 year olds. 
right? And so we're seeing way more parents pulling their kids out and putting them into the homeschooling system just to keep that, because they're saying it's not mandated, but we know it's coming. We know that they first want to bring in the parents that do want to give the, the jab and then the parents will be coerced into doing it. But ultimately, I think what you were saying before is this kind of divide. And a lot of, I'm sure you guys have heard this probably more than me, but I get this a lot when I do interviews and people say, oh, you know, there are so many people awake. And I had to sit with that for quite some time. And I'm like, awake. I don't know why that just never sat well with me because I'm, I'm the kind of person, I'm, I think to myself, what good is it being awake if you're still in bed? And if you are awake, get out of bed and get on your feet and the world needs you to rise up. And that's what I say. I say, this is, we're beyond waking up. We are beyond, we are now at the rising up stage. We're at the creating alternative pathways and making those old pathways redundant stage. And I think for that, we need more people to actually use their skill sets, come together and not be sort of so seduced by, you know, oh, switching on a device at night and just, you know, blanking out the world, but actually getting creative again. That's what we're here to do. So if we understand that something that I've, I've, I've always kind of referred to for myself, as I say, that the creator doesn't call the qualified, the creator already qualified the called. So it's your spiritual path to surrender to your calling. And if you are seeing what's going on in the world right now and you find your space and you find your people, you will have so much guidance of collective consciousness behind you to create. And that is what I think is the empowerment piece is the minute you step into your empowerment and you feel that creator coming through, you feel your ancestral bloodlines within you and, and, and through your blood and you are grounded in the earth, you are unshakable. You, you can create and you can walk in strength. And that's what we need to do. We need to remind people that they do not need a system to babysit them. They need to create and that way they become empowered sovereign beings again, because I say, to, I say to myself a lot, like, you know, I go through the pendulum, like there are days where I think things are just absolute shit. And there are days where I think things are absolutely promising. And I, and, and somewhere in between that is like this apocalyptimist, you know, where you think, oh my God, it's the apocalypse. But then you see the goodwill of humanity and you go, you know that there are so many people who are doing good work and they're waking up every single day and they're rising out of bed and they're, and they're doing, you know, all of this great stuff. And we have to continue to notice those things because we can only create what we can imagine. So we have to start imagining a better world. We have to start imagining and then we go to the place of creation. So it, what happens here, and that's why perception is so key, how we train our minds to empower ourselves, to understand what we can see in this world and imagine a world that doesn't exist yet is how we start to create it. Otherwise, we're going to see what's out there right now and we're not going to be able to create from that place alone. We have to think bigger. We have to think beyond. And I think that's what, um, you know, if people ask me, you know, what, did, what how do you look back at this moment in time? That's what I'd probably want to refer to. I'd say that I stood with people that, you know, stood for freedom so that, you know, future generations had a, a more creative way of moving forward. So that's me. <laughs> Powerful. Yeah. Um, I couldn't agree more. Echo every single sentiment that you just shared completely. And, you know, that to me, that, that new world, whatever it is, on some level, it is already here. You know, and there are people already embodying that, living that. Um, and it's just about finding the others, finding those people, you know what I mean? But you do that by changing yourself, by, you know, stepping stepping into your innate potential and, and your power and making a choice, you know, and 
the middle path is always evil, you know, and there's so many people sitting in the middle right now, just, you know, what I mean? oh, it is what it is, but no, it's actually, it's actually not. There's people mobilizing, there's people moving forward on a, on a, on a new path. Um, so yeah, it's nothing, nothing's set in stone. There's no doom and gloom apocalyptic future that's predestined that we're going down to because I know I'm not living that. And then not, not, not one minute of my life is geared towards that. And it's never going to be. And I know that for thousands of people that I connect with um, during the course of a week. So I'm personally very hopeful. And you're so right. We are creator beings. When did we stop creating, you know? And we stopped creating when they, we stopped becoming self-responsible, right? They made everything so easy for us. They made everything so convenient for us. You don't have to create anything here. Just take the B plus, the, the B minus version of everything else. You mean, we'll, we'll, we'll do it for you. So people that are waking up and exiting Babylon, they're recognizing that now you mean, and they're flexing their creative potential. They're like, how can I, for the first time, they're looking and they're like, how can I create outside of the system? I've made the decision that I don't need to be reliant on the system for anything. I recognize the true nature of governments. What insidious idea is it to send my kid to school to be, for their minds to be molded by a stranger for 12, 13 years with no, no, no part to be played on my behalf? How did they ever get away with that, you know? And people are recognizing this now. And so, yeah, I'm personally empowered about the future because I recognize it within myself. And I know if, if it's within me, then it's within others as well because it purely has to be. And you tapped on something earlier um, in terms of, you know what I mean, how this, this technology and this pathway, these smart cities, they're designed for us to be disembodied. And that's what it is, right? They want you out of your vessel. They want you so disdained and so content about your body about reality about the earth about everything that the moment they offer you some other alternative in some metaverse you're gonna be like oh yes please get me the fuck out of here i've been looking for ways to escape in in, in a multitude of ways my entire life and really what people need to become aware of to become psychologically adept to this issue is that the core of it is gnosticism programming and people need to understand the true meaning of gnosticism and that is the programming that this planet is a prison, that your body is a prison, that somehow we are trapped here and we need to, we, we need to escape. Um, and it's simply, this is, the, this is the root inversion. If you take this concept of metaverse and smart cities and transhumanism all the way back to its ancient roots, this is the underlying psychological programming that's, that, that's behind all of it. Absolutely. Oh, so well said, Joel, honestly. Um, I couldn't agree with you more. There is, you know, this um, this understanding about technology that we, I mean, we're using it right now, obviously. I mean, we're connecting, we're communicating right now. Mm -hmm. Safe technology is not anti-technology. It's, it's definitely just in, an invitation to do things differently. Now, I'm not rejecting technology. I use it, but balance. Yeah. Balance is, after all, nature's most, I think, important presiding law is balance. You know, you need to see what's going on in the world and you need to be able to create from that place of contrast. You know, it's you, we can't sit on the top of a hill and sing Kumbaya and just pretend that what's happening right now in the world isn't happening. So we have to kind of find that balance where we can see it, we can put light on it, we can address it, but we can also move in, in, in that other alternative direction. And like you said, I feel the same way you feel, Joel. I feel like if I can get to that place, other people can get to that place and I seem to only attract people that are in that place and I feel like that conversation we had around do you go back to old you know relationships and have those conversations 
I'm very an organic person. I feel like whatever kind of comes into my life, it's it's designed to come in that right time and that right place and, you know, all of that. I feel like there's nothing wrong with what's happening in the world. I feel like this is just an amplification of something that already was. You know, these weren't things that didn't exist before that just amplified. And so if they're amplifying, we have to amplify. Our state, you know, our inner state has to amplify. We have to shine more light. And so when I see a lot of people getting stressed about this situation, I remind them, yes, but you can also swing the pendulum this way and find that balance. I think it's called like a zero point. Somebody told me this a while mm. back. It's like a zero point where you can see what's happening, but you're not swayed all the way into joy. You're not swayed all the way into anger. You're at this zero point of awareness and of creation. And I think that's where nature has its most ultimate um, power is that it knows how to stay at its zero point. And I think that's the unshakability, that groundedness that we all have in us. Well, that, that zero point also to me, seems like being able to stand between the tension of opposites, you know, that's to hold space for all of it, you know, as opposed to just like you said before, like, oh, I'm just going to be on a mountaintop, like singing Kumbaya, la, la, la. I'm not in touch with any of the like, the darkness or whatever, uh, <laughs> um, you know what I mean? It's like, no, yeah. I can be aware of it, but not let it take me over and then have me just like hiding in a corner in my room, you know, crying or weeping or whatever. Now, okay, people may have moments of that, but at the end of the day, what do you do? How do you, how does one live heroically? You know, what, obviously there will be challenges in life. You know, you're going to read a headline. You're going to hear about things that are happening. I mean, the things that are happening right now, when we really sit down to think about, it, I'm in California, okay, you, you both are in Australia, you know, there are things happening that are just blowing my mind, like this is real life, this, this, this is these things that we've, we've read about for years, you know, you know, some of us have, have, you know, investigated this stuff, and people have been talking about it, like what's coming down, you know, down the road, and it's, it's here, it's here now, okay, now what, what are we going to do, and again, this is why, you know, I think all of us are on the same page around self-responsibility, personal responsibility, doing the inner work, because that's where it starts. You know, like I'm a self, what am I doing? How can I heal my nervous system? You can't stand between the tension of opposites unless you are connected to that healthy nature within you, you know, a balanced nervous system, you know, dealing with trauma that is, that has thrown you off in the past. Are, can you heal that? If not, you know, you're, you're, you're just going to be pulled in all these different directions. So how do you have that solid root? I mean, we talk about creation, this podcast, it happened because of, of that, because Joel's an individual, me as an individual doing our work. And then we come together and we go, hey, we want to create a platform to provide education to people, education that isn't being delivered on, you know, mainstream platforms, you know, so we have amazing human beings like yourself that are so inspiring and doing incredible things, you know, and other people as well. So then people can go, oh, wow, that's interesting. I was thinking that, wow, there's another person who's thinking like me. And then we build this community, we build this tribe. And we create the lives that we want as opposed to just be like, oh, now we're fucked. It's done. <laughs> you know? So I love I'll, I'll give you. I'll I, give I, you a story. You'll love this. Okay. Um, when, when I moved to Byron, I got involved in this, in this um, community you know, of tribe, you know, and um, we, we got Australia's very first 5G moratorium. And so it, it just sent shockwaves around the world. And we started to, to inspire places like Croatia to get their moratoriums. Communities started being set up all over the country and all over the world based on what we were able to do. So we created a strategy kit so everybody could do it the way that we did it. 
And um, when they, the technicians, the Telstra technicians came after we got a unanimous vote from our council in Mullumbimby, which is like this, you know, epicenter of um, activism here in Byron. It's sort of like the anti-vax, anti-5G capital of the country. And um, we got a moratorium on this tower in Mullumbimby. And the technicians, a month later, after we received our, our moratorium, it was a massive celebration in the community. Telstra technicians showed up at eight o'clock in the morning. And one of the guys in our team, he had a dream in the middle of his meditation, like a vision, that he needed to go to the tower. And he just drove there. And the technicians were there at eight o'clock in the morning. And he did an alert saying technicians are here. They've got 5G equipment after our moratorium and hundreds of people in the community just took to the streets and the technicians are like, we're out of here and they haven't come back. So even though we got our moratorium, we had hundreds of people come to the streets and the technicians and, and, and Telstra and all that were just, we, we can't touch this town. So that's the, that's the impact of tuning in. That's the impact of creating community and tribe. And that's the impact of standing in your empowerment and saying, not in this town, not on my watch. And that's still the only tower in the Byron Shire that hasn't been upgraded. So the power of collective shouldn't be dismissed. Yes, we need to go through the work on our inner journey. But when we start, like you said, when we start connecting as resonant beings mm -hmm. and we start connecting, then that power, that collective consciousness power is incredible. I've seen it firsthand. I was there and it was just mind blowing. It was incredible. And the thing is, the, the other thing that I do, I, I do a lot of projects. I've got an agency and our, we've got a group of, a, a team of us that we are a sole agency for the freedom movement. We're a very unique agency. We're all marketers, come from different backgrounds, but we came together to say, we're only going to market during this time on things that create alternative pathways, that create empowerment, that create change. And we've been doing that on so many campaigns. We did the this poster that went viral in Australia called No Mask, We Don't Ask with this poster of a, of a mask coming off a smile and a shop front window started using it everywhere, said that we will not discriminate, use blame or judgment of anyone that comes into our store without a mask. We're going to assume that they're exempt just to invite that, you know, that community feeling back again, which we'd lost. And we did essential business stickers for businesses saying, I'm an essential business, you know, Mullumbimby or Byron Shire. And they went viral. So we're always coming back to bringing community back together because this agenda is very clearly doing the opposite. And one of the other things that we do is we run Reclaim the Line. It's a, it's a border rally um, here in New South Wales and Queensland. It's two states that have this invisible borderline that we're not allowed to cross unless we're double jabbed. So we can't go see family, we can't work, we can't go interstate for the longest time because we don't, you know, if you don't have a double jab, you wouldn't be able to cross. And um, this border is called Boundary Street. And it's very significant because it's actually where the indigenous back in segregation weren't able to cross unless they had a temporary white pass. And so there we go again, we've come back full circle, haven't we? And one of the things that I see, because I organized the speakers for this particular rally at this um, location, and it's the flagship rally of the country, is I see incredible speakers we're talking Trevor Hendy John Farris from In Excess that came Ziggy Alberts a musician one of my favorite musicians and they come for their very first time as well as teachers and pilots and ex-cops that are speaking out for the first time and they get up on the podium and speak about medical segregation to tens you know to 10,000 people last time um, for the very first time publicly and I see the moment back behind the stage before they get on 
and their moment of feeling sick, of holding their stomach, of crying, of shaking, of trying to do a meditation, of breathing really deep breaths before they get up on stage, shaking. And they do it anyway. And this is for me one of the most beautiful and humbling experiences of human existence is even when you're not 100% ready, you know in your bones that it's the right thing to do and you are being called to do something. And I watch them and that's the magic. It's not when they get up on stage. I notice the magic of what it takes for them to get up on stage. And that's where we need to see humanity. We need to see humanity take the courage to get ready, get ready to get up on stage. That is much harder than getting up. Believe Mm -hmm. me, much harder. And that's where we need to collectively bring each other to that place. We need to do things like your podcast and bring people to that place of going, you have courage, you are free and you need to go through the sweat and you need to go through the shakes and the vulnerability and you might need to lose friends and so on and so forth. But when you get up and you speak your truth, that is the most empowering thing you can do. Yeah. And it's going to happen. You know, like when you do stand in your truth, especially in a world in a lot of ways built on lies, you're going to, you're going to get pushback. You know, you're going to get people that are judging you and unfollowing you. You know, I've been called uh, a wannabe cult leader. I've been saying I have a God complex for some of the things I share on social media, which is hilarious to me. But, you know, again, you know, there's such polarization going on right now. And, and when you are standing in your truth and you're speaking passionately and you're enjoying life and you're smiling and you're like loving, loving the world amidst all this, you know, that's hard for a lot of people. Yeah. At least that's, that's my thought. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, how I feel on, 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 on speaking one's truth is absolutely cathartic. It's cleansing. It's a, it's a purification, you know, um, the throat chakra, this is the expression, this is a manifestation, this is creation. If you're not speaking what you want into, into existence, you're not, you're not calling that in, you're not creating even nature, animals in the wild, they call out for two reasons. One is to, to call in their tribe and also to push away predators, right? So, I mean, this is everything to us. So we have to speak what is innate to us. Um, and, uh, you know, what the, that, that, that resistance in, in speaking your truth, these are the fears, this, this is the shadow that is actually holding everything in place because this manipulation, this game is only able to take place because they're betting on the fact that we're not willing to cross that barrier. We're not willing to go there within ourselves where we, we free ourselves from the guilt. We free ourselves from the burden. We free ourselves from the fear. And so we're no longer reliant on, on, on them filling them with that void. We, we cut the strings metaphorically, so to speak, you know? So this is an individual process as well. And each person is being called to go through this and to come out the other side and then you're empowered enough to be able to drag someone else through that veil you know um it's a crazy it's a crazy time that we're living in there's never been a time like this i mean just the the, and the energies and the 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 stark reality and the fact of the matter that these two worlds are just coexisting so at such polar opposites um it's it's wild to be alive right now like i know we keep saying that and it's a sentiment that's continually echoed but the more that you think about reality and what's actually going on it's like wow really mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i agree and one of the first things i mean one of the projects that i'm working on is called parents with questions and um adam gibson's the founder of that and he he's a marketer as well and he said um it's really simple we just have to ask really courageous um, intuitive questions you know does this feel right to you 
does something feel off to you? Does it feel safe for you? And it's very hard to criticize a question. You know, if people throw answers at people all the time and you're wrong and you're doing this, and we see that a lot on social media. We just see people fighting because they're not asking a question. They're just giving their position and giving it so strongly that it's like it's being thrown at them. And I think we, when we come back to having courageous conversations, it starts with questions. And I've noticed that it just in my own life, like when I was, you know, I've, I've, like you guys, I've been across this agenda for so long. And I used to think like, does no one else see it? And I just felt so like shut down because I felt like nobody wanted to hear. And then I felt like I couldn't speak about it. But then I realized that just asking the questions and especially now, given how obvious it all is, it's that's enough to, to really shift, you know, these, this, this, um, this paradox, you know, this kind of bringing people to this understanding of like, we're looking at the same mountain, we're just maybe standing from different positions. So if you ask the right question, maybe they'll notice that part of the mountain that you can see that they're not seeing from over there, but they'll move around and have a look. So I feel like coming back to questions and coming back to that courageous, you know, sort of coming from a place of care rather than a place of anger and resentment is how we start to create more light in this world because we, you know, the alternative space, we can be quite harsh as well. Like I've seen people that are on our page and they come across so harsh and I go, whoa, 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 that is not from the place I come from. So we have to also find those distinctions between how we deliver messages. Of course. I mean, I'll take responsibility. There's definitely been times in my life where I've I've been more self-righteous and hard and I like to use humor and I talk shit sometimes, you know, but again, it's always just a reminder, like, okay, what's the best way to communicate, you know, cause then it gets to a point too, because then you're just like preaching to the choir and everyone's just sitting around like, oh yeah, I like their post. I like, we're just all, you know, stroking each other's egos or, or whatever the case may be, as opposed to like, how can we um, pique the curiosity of someone who maybe hasn't been exposed to this kind of information, but on some level is like, like you said, something seems a little off about what's been happening in the last two years. Yeah. You know? And then they'll, they'll, they'll jump on a podcast like this and go, oh, I'll, I'll, let me take a listen to this. <laughs> and then we'll see how that then feeds their consciousness to evolve in another way. So I hear you, communication is really important, uh, especially around these issues. And so were memes. I mean, how how good were memes in 2020 oh. and 2021? They got me through the years, I tell you. There's no, there's a lot of space for memes in my life, I can tell you. If you guys have a good meme, send it my way because I am a meme queen. I love this stuff. So there's definitely place to create laughter and, and, and just make a bit of a, a joke out of this situation. But I think just those personal conversations that we have with people we really care about it's really easy just to the relationships to break if we don't come across quite compassionate and understanding. So that's all I want to say. I was looking for a meme real quick that I posted. It just <laughs> cracked me up, but I, I think it like disappeared from my story. <laughs> yeah, I love the questions thing. I mean, in fact, I wrote a song about it. It's called Just Asking, you know, and I, I wrote about it based on the Freedom Keepers movement, which was Just Asking. And this was before any of this took place. This was before COVID, before pandemic, before... This was simply because parents were being so gaslit for asking simple questions about vaccines, right? Um, and when, when, when you break it down to that level, that someone is going to beat you and push you down and make you feel so small for asking a simple question, and that tells you everything that you need to know, right? How can, how can it possibly be good if it requires force? How can, that's, that, that, to me, that, that, that one concept just breaks down this entire paradigm. 
how can something that's meant to be good be good for you have to require force for it to work like it just doesn't make sense on any level yeah absolutely and right. I attain Frankie are like family to me, Joel. They're, she's oh, one of yeah. my dearest friends. So when you said freedom keepers, I was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, likewise, they're, they're the close friends to me and my family too. And you know, they, they paved the way for a long time. So shout yeah. out to Tay and Frankie Winterstein. Absolutely. Um, uh, so tell us in terms of the, the threat, the surveillance threat that exists around technology, um, how, how does that play into it all for you? Oof. Um, so I think given that we've talked about the fact that, you know, they've, when we talk about creation, this is, you know, I, I think it's a, a pandemic that was created and I think it was captured by, by scientists, agencies, uh, politicians and mass media. I think that was the first step. I think the second step was to rush um, 5G wireless installations under this guise of better COVID-19 management. So we, we started yeah. to see that they were facilitating us to stay indoors more, working and studying from home, et cetera. And then the next layer, which is the third layer, um, they got the public to comply with lockdowns and surveillance. That's how they got the surveillance and the lockdowns to really start to become a bit more accepted, you know. And from that level, the fourth level was to provide DNA samples through these PCR tests. So all of a sudden we've gone from surveillance to provide DNA samples. And the next layer of that is we've, we've seen a population that have been willing to, to jump into a rushed vaccination and, or, you know, a jab, because we know that it's mRNA, but it's delivering these, you know, these nanotech, what's called smart dust. And smart dust is like, you know, smaller than a grain of sand that can be put into our bodies with a sensor and it can hook us up to the internet. And that is called the internet of bodies. That is public knowledge. So for people that think I'm speaking completely sci-fi, look up smart dust, look up the internet of bodies, you will see it. It's, you know, the World Economic Forum talk about it. And the next layer of that, which is the final layer, and I think we're not there yet, but this is the trajectory that we're on in terms of surveillance in our bodies, is that once they have the majority of this, you know, of, of, of the population hooked up to their 5G control grids, because that's what it's hooking up to, there will be like a remote control via AI systems where we won't be able to have a single thought or, or action without it being monitored and, and thus controlled. Yeah. And so we need to understand that with 5G, it's not just a tower in the distance. They want what's called um, small cells, which are like backpacked size antennas that they put every 200 meters down urban streets. And that's how they can see everything that you're connected to at home and they can read and understand your body. And so this understanding that, that we don't need a prison system when an, we'd be living in one with this 5G control grid. So that's, the, that's where we believe they're going with this. And that's why surveillance is such an important aspect of it. Because if they don't want us to be free beings, which we are, but if they're trying to control that aspect of who we are, then all of these sort of, um, this, this sort of playbook of how it's gone about, which is what I've just expressed, is where they're trying to get this to go. So the awareness part of what we talked about, if we are at the zero point and we're aware because all these technologies have already been shown to the public. You know, they, they show themselves. They don't hide this stuff. So when I tell people, I'll send you the link, I'll show you where this, they don't want to see it because they don't want to believe for a second that such an evil agenda could possibly be, you know, pinky in the brain, um, you know, of the world. And it's really where we're at. 
So if we understand that our inner sovereignty and our empowerment, our connection to each other and to nature is how we dissolve this, this makes it redundant and we create alternative pathways. It's only when we succumb to the pressure that we need to put ourselves within that landscape of, of what I've just described. So it's just an encouragement to understand that if this is where they're angling and you, me, and you know, we're all sitting here and we're like, we, we do feel empowered in what we're doing. And I think we're very lucky that we feel that way and that we can do work that's meaningful. But we need to help people understand that without that awareness of where it's going and without enough people getting sick and really harming their children through these jabs, we're, we're going to have to see, I guess, what we've always seen in war, which is casualties before we start creating a new trajectory. And it's unfortunate that we're already on that path but I do see that we're going to go back to community. I do see that we're going to go back to nature. And I do see that we're going to make these 5G grids redundant. Yeah. Is, is your phone on in close proximity to you right now? Yeah. We can hear it going off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> no, that's all good. Yeah. Um, it's... Yeah, I, I, I hear you completely. And you know, like the other thing that I noticed, we talked about earlier how they want to disconnect us from the land, right? Any sci-fi movie you watch or any dystopian novel that you read, even like a um, like uh, a visual, like a TV version of it, like that Brave New World series, they're always living on platforms, right? It's always like a platformed lifestyle that they have. Have you ever noticed like all the community? Yeah, I have. Right, so they're off the ground, literally. And I feel like that, that this is where this is going as well. If you look at like, high rise apartments, et cetera. They want us platform literally disconnected from the earth um, as, as a potential means as well. That's just, you know, I put my tinfoil hat on for that one, but yeah, my own observation. Yeah, but it goes back to even what we talked about before about, you know, how to mitigate, you know, what are solutions? It's more time in nature. And I noticed it here. I mean, my wife and I, we lived in Santa Monica for several years. And then a year and a half ago, we moved to Topanga Canyon, which is, um, you know, we're just surrounded by nature. And I get caught up being inside at times and I am on my devices. Now granted we have wired in internet and all other mitigation protocols in place, but even then just being inside, not having the sun shining on me and still being in a more artificial environment. And then when I go outside and I feel the wind brush against my cheek, you know, and I can smell the sage, you know, after a day of rain, like what that does to me and how I feel like that in that moment, there's no, you can't put a price on that. And so it really is like, that's why, again, these smart cities, these urban environments, like we need to get just more connected to a tree. We need to literally hug trees. Like we got to go and just like say, oh, what's up tree? And give it a hug and hang out with it a little bit, you know, and not with a phone in one of our hands as we're trying to like hug it with one hand, you know? with one arm, really, it's, it's, and I need, I need that reminder all the time, because I've been, I'm addicted to my phone, to some degree, of course, you know, it's like, even you hear these people, you know, that created these technologies, or created certain social media platforms, they understood the, the vulnerabilities of the human psyche, that they, they hijacked, and so again, like, it's almost a, a heroic act, to, because you talk about balance, to know what this does and to have that pull on you and yet to be like, no, I will not have it. I'm not going to use it for 24 hours or, or two. I'm going to do a two day fast and I'm going to just go bathe in the forest. Like it's to that degree now, because 
you know, we all use it. We're all on it. Even people in the truth and people who are more awake or whatever you want to call it, like we're all on our phones, we're on our devices. And so we have to, we have to lead by example. Yeah. You know what I mean? Joel, you asked me before if my phone was here and it's on silent, but you see, I put on silent because I don't, didn't want it to distract me. I actually have it on airplane mode, but because it's connected to my laptop, it's pinging from my laptop. So it just always finds a way just to distract. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's just a funny paradox that you just mentioned it before. I was like, I looked at my phone. I was like, hang on, it's on air. Yeah, but it is me. It's from my computer. Because if I if I don't want my phone, my computer's messaging me. So it's like always like this translation of another device that's trying to find you. We'll get you um, somehow. We're yeah, gonna we'll get, get you, you somehow. <laughs> yeah, they got the watches right. People like, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 ridiculous. Um, we're not. Bring us home. What's the, what's the closing message for our audience? What do people need to walk away from this podcast with? Well, first of all, they need to tune into podcasts because that's a really great way to start, you know, and, and create a lot of conversation around what people are listening to. But I also think that the most important message I can give you, and I think that's also what we've just basically all agreed and touched on is intuition. So, mm-hmm come back to intuition. And that's where I feel a lot of the conversation that I'm having is having a lot of impact. It's this feeling, it's an inner knowing, and it's a, it's a, it's a gut instinct that even when you hear about new rules or, or new mandates or whatever it is, trust your intuition, you know, act upon inner guidance, strengthen that connection to your inner guidance. You know, you didn't come here to play by somebody's rules. You know, you came here to restore faith in your own sovereignty so you've got to trust in that timeless inner wisdom that's inside of yourself but it's also inside of everybody and you've got to trust that they're able to connect to you know to what it is that's um natural in them you know whether it's the creator or mother earth or but just trust in that connection and if we understand that no science no research paper we can't convince people with these things i know that through marketing i've tried it you know we give people a research paper we give them a sign you know doctor that says the most profound thing and we know it comes back to perception and perception comes back to intuition so where they're trying to really um, switch and, and and kind of play on us is on our own inner guidance, our own intuition. If we sit in nature and if we sit within ourselves, like you said, you know, we go out and we smell the air and we sit with that inner intuition, all of the answers are there. You don't need anything more than that. And we do that as parents as well, Joel, right? We know that we can feel that place with our kids as well. It comes from that same place when we're feeling guided or intuitive about something for our kids. It goes to that place as well. So that's the message I'd love to leave people with is that beyond anything else, come back to that inner intuition. That's the place you start to get back to your empowerment and to your connections. Hmm. Absolutely beautifully said. Um, such a pleasure to host you today. Um, you've definitely inspired me in the countless ways with countless little tokens that you've dropped throughout this conversation. Incredibly grateful that you are who you are and you've made the decisions that you've made and you found yourself at this point of time and space expressing what you're expressing now. I think it's, we, we, we need it. You mean, we, 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 we all do. So thank you so much, Renat. Thanks, Joel. And thanks, Yerazimus. I just, I've really enjoyed being on this call with you guys. I love what you do. I love your posts. It's one of the first things I do when I wake up in the morning is I look for some cool memes and some cool little Instagram posts and you guys are a go-to for me. So I was so happy to see that you guys wanted me on the show. So thank you.
Yeah. And just real quickly, I know you, you kind of dropped some things during the whole episode, but like for people to find you and to read more about yeah. you and your projects and things that you're doing, like uh, where, where can they do that? You can go to wearenotsam.com. W-E-A-R-E-N-O-T-S-A-M. So we are not Sam.com. Um, you can watch the film for free on our homepage. And um, that's a lot of the work that we do around the 5G space. And all the other work that we do is um, putting being, you know, parentswithquestions.com.au, reclaimtheline.com. We do a lot of projects to help other movements to really get their marketing stories and perceptions out there. So we're really excited. And we've also got a project for um, bringing homeschooling back. It's called Imagine Nation. So it's going to be an incredible project that we're going to be launching on the 15th of January. So look out for that as well on imagination.org.au. Yeah. Cool. We'll have all, we'll have all that in uh, the description. Yeah, I'll send it to you. And great. Amazing. Guys, this has been episode 52 of Here for the Truth. Thank you for being here and we'll see you next time. Take care. Smoke and mirrors, I'm seeing through the illusion. Waking up in a the time, they think you're in a delusion. Somebody set the alarms, cause they be too busy snoozing. I'm in a DeLorean.